Hey, what's up, everybody? I just want to let you know about a really cool online program that I just released. It's the Essentials to OCR Grip Training course. So this is a, actually a free online course where I walk you through everything you need to know about how to develop a stronger grip to help you prepare for any type of grip-related obstacle that you might come across. So right now, this is free. So you can uh, check out the link in the show notes to this episode or just head on over to ocrunderground.com thinkific.com that's thinkific t-h-i-n-k-i-f-i-c.com head on over there now and get access to your free course welcome to the ocr underground show each week you get the latest research training secrets of top coaches and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee free here's your host sgx coach mike diebler All right, what's up everyone? This is the OCR Underground Show and this is episode number 65. As always, thank you so much for making this show part of your training education and helping you just dominate your next race. If you want to check out the show notes for this episode, head on over to ocrunderground.com slash episode dash 65. Well, it is October when I am recording this. The year is starting to quickly come to an end. Um, I have personally just a couple more races this year and um, just a couple more trips that I just want to let you know about, especially for any coaches out there that um, want to get FMS or functional movement screen certified. I will be in Dallas uh, from November 8th to 10th teaching the level one and level two combo course. And also I will be in DC the following weekend, November 16th, for any coaches, trainers out there, uh, we're going to be talking about just a variety of different topics um, from uh, training, programming, um, weight management, a whole bunch of good topics there with exercise, etc. I'll put links in the show notes. You can find out how you can register for either of those courses if you happen to be in those areas. Um, well, like I said, the year is quickly coming to an end. And this always gets to be the point where you kind of have a, well, you always have options, but um, most people either kind of take the path of either just cruising to the end of the year, the holidays are looming, uh, we know we're probably not going to follow the best nutrition plan right now, Um, maybe even with holiday travel and trips or just work getting crazy trying to close out the year. Uh, maybe even workouts are going to suffer a little bit. So you kind of just put it on cruise control and we all know the magical month of January is uh, right after and we can pick it all up then. Um, or we can choose the other path, the path, path less chosen, and that is to really step on the throttle and, and finish this year strong. And I know, you know, in January, we'll talk about goals and resolutions and all that good stuff. Um, But like I said, you know, the magical month, you know, obviously kidding. There's nothing special about January. It's always nice to at least think about that reset and starting fresh. Um, But you can do that every single day, right? The the, uh, day starts fresh. um, So tomorrow is always another possibility. And this is the time of year when you can really make uh, gains, uh, especially when you look at what 
majority of people are doing and that's just kind of coasting along and not really doing anything different than they're currently doing or maybe even backing off uh, where you have the choice where you can actually step it up a little bit um, step on that throttle and push yourself to to really finish this year where a lot of people are going to head in from between now and January are probably going to put on a few pounds um, are probably going to get a little bit out of shape compared to where they are right now um, but that isn't inevitable. That's just the choice you make. So if you want, you can really uh, focus and it's obviously harder this time of year, but that's, you know, all that's life. And we just push a little bit harder. And even if you can um, not gain any weight, that's usually a win for this time of year. But even if you can, you know, lose a few pounds, get a little bit faster, get a little bit stronger, uh, this is the perfect opportunity to do so. Also, this this is a good time to a year to just start planning ahead and looking at what really the end of your year is going to look like and the start of next season and uh, thinking about your off season. I'll have more upcoming podcasts talking about off season training and things you should consider. Um, but you know, maybe Tahoe was your big Spartan race and you're kind of done and you put in all the hard work and now you're going to start your off season maybe right now. Um, but also I know a lot of people still have a few big races left this year that they're really focusing on. So your off season may not start, start yet. So it's just a good idea to start thinking about what's the goal right now. Are we trying to finish just the year up? Are we, uh, have a couple more races or one more race, or are we kind of done racing and need to start thinking ahead and evaluate how the year went and plan on your weaknesses. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of guidance and clarity thinking about how to end your year and um, really just, you know, make sure next year is the best year yet, but really not waiting for that to happen and, and doing something about it right now. Uh, so let's get into this episode. Uh, as always, I have some great topics that I want to get across and, and talk to you about. In the Inside Mike's Mind segment, I want to talk about perception. I know we do focus on the physical piece of training, but there obviously is that huge mental and uh, physiological, or excuse me, um, psychological piece that we definitely want to pay attention to and just want to look at your own beliefs and see if that is actually your limiting factor and just your perception, if there's some things that we can change there to really make some breakthroughs in your uh, physical performance. In my research review, I want to talk, uh, switching over to the physical side of it, we're going to talk about concurrent training. Essentially, all that means is strength training at the same time as endurance training. So basically like lifting and running. Uh, I'm going to go over some uh, a study that kind of looks at how if you don't set this up right, depending on what your goals are, you might actually be limiting your performance if you're uh, doing maybe too much of one or the other. And then finally, in our coach's corner, I have on SGX coach Brad Sims. Uh, we talked about how he got into OCR training and, and personal training in general. We discussed some of his ways that he assesses a client to make sure they're ready for certain types of exercises and go over some uh, progressions and regressions in training and how you can use some of those things. Uh, we get into some of his favorite glute medius exercises and much, much more. All right, so let's get into this episode. Well, before we go any further, I do have to mention our amazing sponsors of this show, and I want to start off talking about Benga CBD. Uh, recently, or really over the last few months, I have been really pushing myself to the limits training for my upcoming Ultra Beast, 
And I am trying to do everything possible to recover as quickly as, as I can so I can keep training hard and, um, you know, take care of my body at the same time. And Vanga CBD's products have been a huge part of this. Um, the reason I love Vanga CBD is because they design their products with the endurance in mind. Uh, they have water-soluble um, CBD gels that are going to make sure you absorb as much of the uh, CBD as possible to help control inflammation, pain reduction, and uh, a host of other benefits from their products. Uh, after my long runs, I definitely have uh, make sure I, I take the gels. I use the balm to just really keep inflammation at bay, keep it down so I can uh, keep training the way I want to train and I'm not dealing with any any injuries. And I have to say, I, I feel awesome and I'm ready for my race. And I do think Venga CBD has been a big part of that. Uh, if you want to check out their products, you can actually get 15% off. Just head on over to vengacbd.com slash OCR underground, and then use code OCR underground, and you'll get 15% off your order. And speaking of more recovery, I do want to talk about mobilitas and soft tissue work is one of the uh, most important parts of my training plan. And I often joke that my warm up gets longer and longer. My training gets shorter and shorter. And while it is a joke, there is definitely some truth to that. And soft tissue work is um, really the foundation for it all to just help those muscles uh, do everything they're supposed to do, get more mobile, um, increase blood flow, and all of the great stuff that comes with things like foam rolling. So if you are in need of a little bit of TLC on those muscles, definitely check out some of the products over at Mobilitas, their foam rollers, their peanuts, their other myofascial tools and voodoo floss and all sorts of great stuff. Um, just head on over to mobilitas.store and if you use code OCRU10, you will save 10% off your order. Okay, in the Inside Mike's Mind segment, I actually want to get inside your mind and talk about perception. And I want you to ask the question, are you, are you the limiting factor in your own progress? Are you holding yourself back? And a lot of times how we perceive things, <coughs> this is absolutely true. I once heard this analogy. Um, I wish I could remember where I heard it from to give credit, um, but I want to share it either way. Uh, imagine you were trying to open a lid, like a screw top lid on a jar or something like that, and you had that jar uh, below your head, right? Like you typically would probably open a jar. And uh, in order to screw that lid to open it, you'd have to turn it lefty-loosey, right? So it'd be turning counterclockwise. Now, if that lid was just spinning and it started to float up above your head and you were to look at which way the lid was spinning, now it appears that it's spinning the opposite direction, right? It's like a magic trick. Now it's spinning clockwise. So did anything actually change with the lid itself and how it was spinning, right? It's, it's the exact same lid. It's spinning the exact same direction. What changed was your perception of that thing. Uh, and that's really what I want to focus on is how we perceive things aren't always the reality. And this can actually hold us back. Um, so I, I'll share my, my own personal experience that, you know, my demons that I battle with. And even in the interview I do with Coach Brad in this podcast, I talk about how I, I don't consider myself a runner. I don't like running. And these are all self-limiting beliefs, right? If, if you believe something 
to be true, it's going to be true. So I am trying to get better at it. And I just, it's something that I, I do struggle with. Um, but I did not come from a running background. Like if you've listened to this podcast, uh, you probably know that because it's something that I openly talk about. And it's something that I am working on becoming better at because it is my limiting factor. But what I find is the more that I fight not being a runner, uh, the less progress I I am seeing. Um, so currently I'm you know training for an ultra beast and guess what I'm doing? A whole lot of running. Now I can't say that I love it. I, I tolerate it. What I love is how I feel after I run and I love the progress that I'm making. And that's what I try my perception. Again, the, the run is the run. It's it's there. That's the thing that I'm perceiving. What I try and focus on is not so much the act of running that I don't get the most pleasure out of. Uh, it's the improvements that I'm seeing. So I may call myself not a runner, but when I you know look at how I'm progressing, I can see I, I, I don't know that I can necessarily say that anymore. Uh, for example, I just ran a 5k um, this past weekend and um, you know just was gonna go out there to have fun and then just kind of saw where I was placing and ended up to pick up my pace a little bit and try and see where I could finish. I ended up finishing third in this race and ran my fastest 5k time ever which was under 19 minutes so uh to me that i i i think i have to call myself a runner because i don't think many non-runners are going to be running at that speed and not that performance is the only indicator whether you're a runner or not but this is just the the thought process that i am starting to go through to help um, me stop limiting my own performance where um, in the past, I like to use this perception of not being a runner that I'll, I'll fully admit as kind of a crutch that, well, if I don't do well, it's because I'm not a runner. And when I think about that th thought process that I'm going through, it's really saying, well, I'm going to rely on this crutch because I don't want to admit that I didn't train hard enough or that people just were better than me or, or whatever it might have been. So this is my perception and how it's limiting me. But now that I can see that this progress is occurring and that I um, uh, most of the activity I do is running, it's something that I'm starting to embrace Um and this is definitely a process that I'm going through and, and it takes time and I'm sure the same is going to be uh, for you. But um, this is not just about running. This is about anything. So you might be facing an obstacle. And if you're going in with the idea that I'm going to fail, I'm going to do burpees, whatever it might be, that's probably what's going to happen. Now, every once in a while, you'll you'll surprise yourself and maybe get through something but if you're an athlete and if you are listening to this podcast, I would call you an athlete. Um, most athletes are a little uh, crazy <laughs> and um, have some psychological issues that they're dealing with. And I'm not saying this as a, you know, a psychological disorder or anything. It's just they can get down on themselves and they can lose confidence. Or on the flip side, they can feel like they're unstoppable. And that's kind of the place where we want to get, where you're just unstoppable. And so many of the clients I work with, they have the physical capability. They can run, they can, they can jump, they can climb, they can do all these obstacles. It's just that voice inside their head that often is limiting to them, that, that doubt, that what if I don't do well? Um, what if I can't do this? They think of all the what ifs in a negative manner instead of flipping it around. What if I nail the spear? What if I get through the monkey bars? What if I win my age group? 
that is going to lead to a much better place where you're feeling awesome. Like that is pretty cool because if you can't even imagine it happening, then there's absolutely no way that it's going to come true. So um, I know this might sound like something out of the book, The Secret, um, but it's really just the idea of positive self-talk is going to lead to more positive experience. And I'm not saying that just thinking it is going to make it happen, but it is a great first step. If you can imagine yourself doing the perfect race, throwing the perfect spear, climbing, you know, the perfect rope climb, whatever it might be, that is where you need to start. Because if every time you imagine yourself doing it, you fail, that's a, a poor mental place to be. And it's going to be much harder to overcome not only the physical obstacle, but the mental obstacle as well. So hopefully in my ramblings, that that makes sense. But what I want you to leave this with is just perception, right? There's the event that is happening or whatever it might be. And, and really the main thing that you can change is your perception of how to handle that, that obstacle, that challenge, whatever it might be. So um, this is a great practice to do before race, before training, um, before a specific obstacle. Just um, perceive that you can do this and that you are going to nail it. And then you can just hopefully replay your mental picture, that mental film that you just created and make it actually come true. And if not, that's okay. You might still need a little bit of work on strength or, or whatever it might be, but at least you're, you're starting in a good mental place, which for many people, that is a huge step in the right direction. All right, in this week's research review, I wanna talk about concurrent training. Uh, this is a topic that I have talked about before, but I came across another study that I thought was worth bringing up and, and kind of going through. Um, this was from the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research. I uh, looked at performance and endocrine response to differing ratios of concurrent strength and endurance training. So uh, concurrent training just means you're doing both strength and endurance at the same time. So think you're lifting and you're running. So if you're following a, a typical OCR program, you probably are doing both of those. Now, when we look at the sports world, we see that some sports kind of fall into a category uh, on a continuum. So we can look at ultra endurance running and we can look at powerlifting. So we can see, obviously these are completely different opposite ends of the spectrum, but we have our <clears throat> ultra endurance, which is gonna primarily fo uh, focus on improving endurance, right? They are gonna need minimal levels of, of strength uh, they just need to be able to go for a very long period of time. So most of their training is going to reflect that. And then if you look on the opposite end, powerlifting, they need very little endurance. They just need max power and strength to pick up bars and things like that. So um, that's very clear what those two categories need to work on. Now, what makes OCR, um, I think, just interesting and, and fun to actually compete in is it requires a nice blend of both because if you're just a great runner but have no strength, you know, you might do great on the trails, but you're gonna have a hard time getting the obstacles, flipping tires and things like that. Um, or if you're great on the obstacles but not a great runner, um, you are going to have obviously your issues there. So we need a nice blend. And now every individual is going to be different on what they need to work on. But I just, I always think at least looking at some research topics to see, get some ideas and point us in the right direction. So this was a six week training plan that they did for this study. Uh, they trained three, three times a week and they broke them up into four groups. So first you had your control group, which basically did nothing. Um, then you had your strength only, 
which they just lifted three days a week on a progressive training program. Then we had two concurrent groups. We had a strength plus endurance training. So they worked out, again, three days a week, but every third day after their strength, they did uh, steady state running. That was their endurance training. And then we also had another concurrent training that did strength and endurance every session. So uh, every day they lifted, they would do steady state running right afterwards. And they wanted to compare just all the different uh, performance outputs that each of these different groups got. Uh, so we base it off the control group, which they did nothing. So we, pr they pretty much stayed the same, the entire group. And then they compare how these other groups did compared to that control group. Um, so, uh, they looked at a lot of different things. I'll just kind of review some of the things they did test, uh, upper body strength and they did find that all groups got significantly better and significantly better than the control group. So um, that was good to see there. That didn't matter which protocol they followed. They all did get better. The strength only did show the most improvement. Um, they saw about a 17% increase. The uh, concurrent group that only ran once a week saw a 15% increase and the uh, strength and running every session group saw a 10% increase. So all good, but definitely to uh, different levels there. Um, lower body strength was a little bit of a different story. There, there was increases with all of them, but we saw really uh, with the strength only group and the once a week running group, they had the biggest impact in lower body strength. Um, the running group uh, that ran every single session had the least amount of, of improvement for lower body strength. Uh, and pretty much we see the same thing for lower body power. Uh, the strength only group had, again, the most uh, significant difference in their training, followed by the once a week running group. And then last was the um, training running three times a week group. Um, they looked at uh, some hormones as well because it did say endocrine response. So they looked at uh, testosterone and um, they did see uh, the greatest increase in testosterone mainly came from the strength only group, um, but they did see some increase on the once a week training um, in testosterone as well. And uh, the three times a week training did not see a... Uh, significant increase in testosterone. So there was something about that endurance training that was uh, interrupting that normal uh, bump in testosterone, uh, which probably led to the less increases in strength and power. And then we have uh, cortisol they looked at as well. So cortisol is a stress hormone. Um, and basically the more stress you're under, the higher the cortisone levels. And just like you would think, the uh, they all increased cortisol because all three groups were stressing their bodies, but the, the, the most significant increase in cortisol came from the uh, running and lifting every single session group, which again, I think is no, no surprise they had the biggest impact there. Uh, when we, they looked at body fat percentage, um, interesting to point out that the only group that they saw a significant decrease in uh, body fat was the strength and running every day or every session group. They saw a 2.65% decrease in body fat over the six weeks while the other two groups stayed the same. Um, so those are the main findings there. And just to kind of review all that and what it all means, I think the important thing to notice to note is that with OCR training, you have to do both. 
um, if you want to be successful. You, you need to get strong. You need to lift. Now, this is why I try and stress the importance of having in-season and off-season programs because clearly when you do higher volume of both of these, when you lift a lot and when you sh- uh, in- do endurance training such as running a lot, those are two conflicting messages you're telling your body. You're telling your body to get strong and then you're t- telling your body to get uh, more endurance. And those don't happen the same way. So the more stress in opposite directions, the less gains you will see in each of those. Now, that's okay in some situations. Again, that's this is why I mentioned that everybody's different on what they need to train for. And this is why you need to know your levels. What's your weakness? Um, knowing that you need to do all of this stuff, where do you need the most amount of improvements? Because if it's the obstacles that are giving you a challenge, you're not strong enough to get through some of these things, the more you run, the less you're going to see the strength uh, and power improvements. Um, and then the opposite is true, although um, from previous research studies that I've seen, there's less of an impact the opposite way where um, strength has less impact on endurance, like endurance has more impact on strength. Hopefully that, that makes sense. But basically running is a lot of stress on the body um, or just endurance training in general because it's a lot of repetitions of whatever you're doing over prolonged times. It's a lot more stress and that might inhibit any strength gains that you potentially could see from your strength workouts. Now, there are definitely limitations to this study. They did them on the same day. So they they lifted and ran on the same training sessions. Would it have been different if they did it on alternating days? Um, you know, we don't know based on the information we have here, but that might be another alternative to not do these on the same day. Again, that'll come down to logistics for you. Do you only have three days a week to train? Then you'll probably have to double up on some of these things. Um, so I think there's lots of different ways to put together a program. There's not necessarily a right, wrong way. It's just understanding how these different variables affect your performance and uh, in your training and, and how you can alternate or manipulate things to get the most out of everything. So like I said, I think the main takeaway is know where your areas of weakness are. Don't try and get everything all at once. If you are focusing on like off-season training when um, you have less races throughout the year, that is a great time to really go all in on maybe a particular area where you work on your running, you work on your strength, whatever uh, you might particularly need the most help in. Um, and then when you get to your, your in-season training, you start to alter that a little bit to get to really just maintain your strength levels and improve you know, your running or your obstacle training or whatever it might be. So hopefully that gives you a couple good ideas for putting together your training program. All right, in this week's coaches interview, I have on Coach Brad Sims. Uh, Brad is a National Academy of Sports Medicine certified personal trainer and a certified nutrition coach. Uh, He works with clients of all fitness levels and is certified in corrective exercise training for those recovering from injury or working with limitations in their training program. Uh, He has been an obstacle course racing coach since 2014 through the Spartan SGX program. Uh, He trains beginner athletes to competitive racers, also participating uh, himself in over 50 races, including uh, 5K sprint lengths all the way up to Spartan Ultra Beast. So let's get into the interview with Coach Brad. All right, Coach Brad, welcome to the show. How you doing? Hey, Coach Mike. Thanks for having me, man. I'm doing well. How about you? Uh, I'm doing awesome. I actually just finished an interval run a little bit while ago, so I'm uh, super sweaty. So luckily, we don't have our cameras on right now. You can't see and our, thankfully our listeners can't see either, but 
Um, but feel good. Um, so it's been a while since I've had you on and I was excited to get you back on here where we can chat a little bit more and, and just get some of your take on, um, on just training, obstacle course racing and all that fun stuff. Uh, before we get too far into it, I do want to ask you one question because um, yeah. I, I, I truly don't know the answer to it, but why Captain America? <laughs> uh, Captain America is probably the superhero that I look up to or I guess relate to the most uh, for the for the fact that he's always trying to do the right thing and he's he's a good guy at heart I, I identify with that a lot and so it just makes sense for me to do my races as him and I've done it so much everybody in the OCR industry in my area knows that it's me just by the costume yeah because awesome. other people do it but I'm sorry, I've got the best costume right now. <laughs> That's awesome. And if you I'm have not no even food. shy about it, I have yeah. the best shield and I have the best helmet. It and is pretty impressive. Sense. Yeah. So uh, if you go to the show notes for this episode, you will. Uh, I'll put a picture up, and everybody can see exactly what I'm talking about. So. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome, though. Uh, you know, my son is seven. And uh, yeah. not too long ago, I told him we would start watching all the Avenger movies. And yes, I'm kind of OCD. So I'm like, well, if we're gonna watch them, we have to watch them in order. In order. <laughs> yeah. So we have to like, I had to research it because I wasn't exactly sure. And so we're going through and uh, so it's awesome. So at this moment, we are going to be watching Black Panther next. So we're getting nice. close. There are just okay. so many Avenger movies. It's insane. Um, yeah. But I love it. And, I, you know, no spoilers. I, I still haven't seen Endgame. And I hate to admit oh. it because I'm dying. But I told him I wouldn't I wouldn't watch anymore until we could watch it together. So I'm trying okay. to be uh, true to that. But it's killing me because I haven't seen haven't seen the conclusion. And it's been years since I saw uh, Infinity War uh, and all the other ones. So um, crazy. But anyway, I know. Wow. It's off topic, but I just, well, I, I commend I you on that, sir. That's uh, <laughs> I like that plan. That's a good plan. Yeah. So uh, I, I, there's a whole bunch of stuff I want to talk to you about, but I'd love to just know and, and have our listeners know a little bit about your backstory, just kind of how you got into coaching and, and what led you to specifically get into obstacle course racing and, and training. Uh, sure. Well, I got into coaching in 2012. Uh, I was going through a bout of unemployment uh, after having about eight years in the auto industry. I actually sold cars, and then I worked in the service department. Okay. Sounds completely unrelated, I know. <laughs> uh, it was a friend's suggestion that said, did you ever think about being a personal trainer? And I was like, no, not, I really haven't. I, I love working out, but never thought about being a trainer. He's like, why don't you see what's involved in doing that? Because I think you'd be really good at that. And he's not a trainer, you know, he's just a good listener and a very supportive uh, friend of mine. Uh, his name's Elia. Give him a shout out. <laughs> uh, he just moved to Chicago, so I'm kind of bumming that we can't hang out like we used to. But we started doing our OCR races together with the Warrior Dash in 2014 and then moved on to Spartan the following year. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the Tuxedo Sprint was our first Spartan race ever. Okay. So that's got a soft spot for me but uh yeah I basically looked into the field and I was I had also been I was paying off a school loan at the time and I was like I'll be damned if I'm going to put myself in debt again so I don't want to go back to school and have to get a degree what's involved in the certification and it looks like you know it's several weeks long it's textbook based 
but you can get it and it would be relatively inexpensive compared to like a college degree. Absolutely. And what I liked about that was, okay, so, you know, I won't be paying back debt and I can get out into the workforce quicker and start applying what I've learned. So that I found really appealing and I've absolutely loved it. I have yet to lose my passion for it. Like I'm still really stoked about going out and training people every day. I'm a full, I do this full time. Awesome. Currently, I think I have seven, 17 clients that I'm training every week. Awesome. Cool. So yeah. Really thrilled. But, uh, but yeah, it was a career change for me and, uh, I just, it just happened to click really well. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I think that's, uh, a, a lot of people find themselves going down that path and, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those careers. And I think probably most careers are like this where you, you get the, you know, you can go the degree degree path or you, you get the certification, you know, but the main thing is you, you get to apply it right, right off the bat, exactly yeah. what you've learned. And it's more likely to stick versus just sitting in school and, you know, doing projects and, you know, never really getting to apply a whole lot. Um, but here you just get to learn it, do it on yourself, uh, you know, probably to start. And then you get to start playing around and, and trying things out with clients. And I know most of what I've learned uh, was after all of my education, you know, or my formal education, I guess I should say, because yeah. there's just so much great information and courses and workshops and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's such a good career to get into because it has at least that low barrier to entry where, um, you know, it's, you can get in now what you do with it, you know, there's a million directions you can go. And uh, <clears throat> that's just the start. And it, it sounds like you're, you're doing awesome with it. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you on that. Uh, about the low barrier to entry and particularly that there's so many directions you could go with it. Uh, one thing that I definitely recommend to beginning trainers is seeing if there's some sort of mentorship or preferably paid program where you could work for a physical therapist or in a physical therapy office, because so many people have movement compensations and need corrective exercise of some sort. And when you're, when you're a beginner trainer, like you're there, you definitely want to help people. And it's kind of nice to be able to refer to a medical professional. Uh, I guess you could also joke, you know, hey, they're responsible if the exercises don't go so well. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter because anything that doesn't work can either be regressed, progressed, or just give you something entirely different because you've got this library of exercises in your head or written down, however you. <laughs> best yeah. function on that yeah actually so you bring up uh something you know I'm, I'm definitely passionate about and i think we should touch on more and that that idea of movement compensation because i and you know you can speak to your own experience but most clients that i see mm-hmm. i i should say all i hate using that word all or none or never or always but it's just one of those things nobody moves perfectly and, and, and I, sh- I should be careful what I say. I don't think the goal is to move perfectly, but I think with everybody I see, there's at least one major movement pattern that they have some compensation that they aren't aware of. So yeah. uh, I, I think that, yeah, and that's an important thing because a lot of, uh, and I know when I first started training, I was kind of the go big or go home. It's like, let's work hard, let's sweat, let's get sore. And I know a lot of people have that mentality and I've learned from lots of years of my own personal injuries and 
having clients get injured because if they get hurt, I don't work now, you know? So right. this is something I really had to figure out to keep my clients healthy so they can do whatever they want to do. And um, so how, how do you go about when you're working? I know you mentioned having a referral system is awesome. Do you do any, uh, anything when you first meet with a client to just kind of check their movement to see if they have any major issues? Absolutely. Um, so I always do a squat assessment. I'm, I'm less interested in overhead squat assessment, but I still do it just because more information is generally more useful. And the one that I really keep my eyes on is the single leg squat assessment because most of my clients are, I, I do a lot of uh, OCR related training and a lot of my clients, unfortunately, whether they like it or not, they have to run to some extent. And the physical therapist that I aided with for about five years brought up a really interesting point. Uh, he does a lot of workshops. And at this one running workshop, he brought up an interesting point that I hadn't thought of before, but he goes, what do you guys think running is? And we all kind of looked at him dumbfounded and he's like, it's thousands and thousands of single leg squats done at a high speed. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, and the single leg squat is so much more revealing for the most common compensation I think you could agree is the knee valgus or the knee collapsing toward the center of the body rather mm -hmm. than away from the center of the body. And you'll of, often find that one knee is worse than another mm -hmm. or they're the same, which is, I guess, a little bit better, but you still have to fix it as best you can. So to, to stop you there, um, and, and, you know, I, I know it's hard to answer this question, but if we're going to, let's say you meet with a client and we do um, the single leg squat assessment and yep. we, we see there's an issue and, you know, for example, that knee collapsing in, uh, what would be next? So like, what would be your first step to say, okay, we have an issue. Let's, let's proceed with this. Sure. So, so assuming that's, that's what I see is let, let's say for this example, both knees collapse inward. The most common reason for that is weakness in a little muscle right over your hip joint called the gluteus medius. Some, some of you may have heard of that. Glute medius is primarily responsible for the knee's stability. And when I say stability, we're talking about uh, a joint or muscle's ability to hold its position rather than move freely. So the opposite of mobility, stability, we need to be able not to move despite other forces being in play. So what I would recommend on that, my, my top three exercises for strengthening the glute medius are clamshell exercises lying on your side with a, with a rubber band loop around the knees. The top knee is the one doing the work. You keep your feet together and you just raise the top knee apart. One of the tricks to that, though, like you, you, there's tons of videos on this. Uh, just look up clamshell. That's the best keyword and you'll find videos. But there's ways to fine tune it that I've learned in the physical therapy world. Uh, for example, you want a 45 degree hip angle and a 90 degree knee angle 
because we want to optimize the torque and the best way to optimize torque is at a right angle. Torque is just a twisting force. Uh, one of the, I should just interject that one of the reasons that the glute medius is weak is because human beings do not move sideways on a day-to-day -day basis, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Everything we do is, most of what we do is forward, backward, um, something on the sagittal plane. So if you divided your body in half, left side, right side, if, the, if one side's moving independently of the other, that's sagittal plane. So the three go-to exercises I would have are clamshells, uh, the Jane Fonda we, <laughs> is the nickname we gave it, but it's the straight leg version of a clamshell. You can keep the band at the knees to make it a little easier. If you want it even harder, you move the band all the way down to the ankles and try to raise your entire leg up toward the ceiling. You only need to go about eight to 10 inches up uh, as far as distance apart at your feet. If you go too high, what happens is your low back sort of caves in and your whole pelvis tilts and now you're not in a neutral spine position. That's generally not a good thing either. You, you've seen this exercise, right? Yeah, 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 yep, yep. And yeah, uh, what I'll do is, the, um, you know, we'll get your, your uh, third one in a second, but I'll, I'll find videos of all these two and make sure I put them in the show notes so people can see exactly what we're talking about. Sure, that's a great idea. And the, oh, so the third one is just in a, in a standing position I put a loop band around the ankles and have people do side steps across the room or, you know, 21, 20 to the right, 20 to the left. Okay. <clears throat> um, now what's another thing that's interesting is when people are doing these so-called corrective exercises, you'll find that they, their body is very quick at figuring out a way to cheat the movement. It, you know, it doesn't so much care about, efficiency as it does is getting, you know, how do I get the job done? So one thing they'll do is if they're doing the standing side steps, uh, they will lean, like, let's say they're stepping to the right, right? So the right leg is stepping out to the side. They will lean to the left, which means that their, their abs and their QL, the muscle that helps the spine side bend, is obviously not engaged because they should have a stiff trunk and move move purely from the hip. And that's hard to do. And it takes a few tries to demonstrate to people what what they should be doing. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that's a great point for any corrective exercise, right? It's the idea is that you're trying to do these as as cleanly as you can. And yeah. it, they're usually hard. And there's a reason they're hard is because this is a weakness for most people, right? And yeah. um, when people do these and they're like, I don't feel anything, it's usually like you're saying, because the body found a way to do it easier. Yeah, that's and, pretty much it. Yeah. And like you said, like leaning, like, so, okay, so if we're trying to improve knee stability, so the knee should be stable, the hip should be doing the movement and the lumbar spine should be stable. And you just kind of see everything going out of whack there and seeing too much knee movement, not enough hip movement, too much spine movement, and they've kind of reversed everything that they were supposed to do. So yeah. um, I, I think that's a great point that it's, that these need to be performed and eliminating those compensations. And, and that's hard to do because sometimes you're just not aware of it. You just, 
right. You're going to watch the video and say, okay, this is how I do it. Um, and then you'll be like, I don't get it. It's too easy or whatever. And it's, that's when a trained eye obviously helps figure out all these things. Definitely. Definitely. And I, and I love to point out something simple that they might've missed and, oh, 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 you, oh, it doesn't feel like it's working. Okay. Try this way. Oh, you know, son of a bitch. That, that, <laughs> oh, that's hard, right? Yeah. Now you're working, yeah. baby. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I try and look at, you know, when I do uh, corrective exercises with clients, it's like trying to find that aha moment. Like yes. that's why we're here. Like it, the whole point of us doing these exercises is for you to feel that weakness that you have or that tightness, maybe if it's mobility that we're whatever, you know, we, if they don't understand what we're working on, then it's really hard to make any improvements at all. Agreed. Um, so I, I'd love to get your thoughts on this because this is a really tough topic for me um, uh, to, to explain to my clients or, or just people I talk to in general. So <laughs> let's say we did the assessment, we have some issues. Let's say it's going to take some time to really improve this because of, you know, you typically takes a little bit of time to see some improvements in a movement pattern like this. Yeah. Now, if we know that running is going to be a lot of single leg squatting and they're not squatting to par right now, yes. what are your thoughts on, on running volume then? And because I know this is a conversation I have to have with clients where I just don't think running's the best option right now. And that's a oh, hard yeah. pill to swallow for some people. So I, you know, just love to get your thought process or maybe some thing, how you explain it or, or what you tell people to let them know that maybe this isn't the best option right now. Yeah, I, I simply say, <laughs> listen, you hired me to to train you and to point out things. And based on the assessments that we've done, you know, I now have scientific data that is provable and I can, I know what's going on. Or even if I don't know what's going on, I know that it's, you're not supposed to move this way and here, and maybe explain, here's why, here's why you're moving that way and give them an aha moment. But if, if there, if there's someone that likes to run, I, I joke with them a little bit and I say, listen, <laughs> As my physical therapist once told me, people shouldn't run to get in shape. They should get in shape to run. Yeah. It may not be the best thing, but on the on the other hand, most people have access to all different types of equipment at the gym or maybe even at home. A, a better option might be, uh, you know, if they're trying to do it for cardiovascular purposes, you know, eliminate the impact forces of running and put them on a recumbent bike. You know, uh, the one where you kind of lean back and your legs kind of pedal forward, right? Not yeah. the upright bike. Exactly. Yeah. Um, one, you get rid of all the impact force. Two, you're using your largest muscle groups in the body, which burn the most calories. Three, did I mention cardio already? I think I mentioned cardio already. <laughs> but <laughs> so yeah, that's, yeah. But the other thing is, uh, if you put them on a recumbent bike rather than upright, you take away the the tendency to forward bend the spine, which puts a lot of load on the low back, the lumbar spine. Yeah. And that never feels good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I just think it's, um, I, I, in my, at least in my mind, and I know other coaches' minds, like that's the logical thing, right? If running is making you worse, why don't, why are we running right now? And, and that's a hard thing for people to accept that. Well, if I stop running, I'm going to get slower. I'm going to get weaker, you know, all those things. And it's like, maybe, you know, temporarily your running will, will get a little bit worse, 
but everything else is going to get better. So when we bounce back, you're not constantly dealing with that knee pain or plantar fasciitis or, or whatever issue it might be. But people want, you know, I, I always like the saying that um, Brett Jones, uh, I've, I've heard him say a bunch of times with, you know, if, if, you, if your car needs to get fixed, you go to the mechanic and you drop off your car. You don't yeah. say hop in and fix it while I'm driving around. And, you know, it's <laughs> because it's super inconvenient to not have my car for a while. So sure. it's, it makes more sense to like, go just take care of this. And then when it's ready, I'll pick it up and go. And, you know, unfortunately we can't drop off our body, but at least we can take away the thing that might be taking us down the wrong path and really put all of our effort into, you know, people spend as much effort into like fixing those little things and getting yeah. better as they did like training, you know, we, people would be getting hurt a lot less and I think performing way better. I totally agree with that, Mike. That makes um, a lot of sense. Yeah. So and sometimes you got to play hardball and tell people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I, I don't know if I've ever shared this story on the podcast, but I once had a triathlete come in and literally with a piece of paper uh, with pretty much every line filled up with all of the injuries he was dealing with on a regular basis. And I was like, okay. And we take him through our, uh, our screening process and evaluated him. And basically by the end, I said, you know what, right now, I think um, we need to back off running. Um, he had like a ton of shoulder issues. So I said, you know what, swimming, I, I really don't think it's a great idea right now. Instead, let's focus on these things. And he basically all he heard, and I've, I believe I've gotten better at explaining this than back then, but he just heard, oh, so I can't run, I can't swim, I can't do anything. <laughs> Um, the absolute worst thing. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's not what I said. I just said, if we back off these things for now, re at least reduce the volume, but he wanted to just train hard. And anyway, yeah. long story short, he basically just walked out the door and I never saw him again. So, yeah. uh, and I'm sure he has that piece of paper with even more words written on it of issues that he's dealing with. So, um, <laughs> and it's, it's just uh, a hard fact sometimes that, you need to take care of these because they add up quickly and then they turn into bigger problems and then maybe surgery. And, you know, you just go down that path and, and nobody wants to go that way. No. And you know what, uh, ultimately the clients are going to do what they want to do, but all you can do as a fitness professional is tell them like, like, this is, I have evidence to back up what I'm saying. I'm not here to hurt you. I'm trying to, I'm trying to make you perform your best, but I have to do that safely. If, if you don't, if that's not, what you want you don't want to change me that i respect that but yeah if you're asking for my advice this is what i'm going to tell you as a professional yeah and i you know you I'll, I'll, i'd like you to explain a little bit further because you actually brought up two terms that i find myself using all the time and that's uh, progressions and regressions and so maybe you could explain how you work progressions and regressions into your programs so people can still work out because that's a that's the thing i don't want people listening to uh, here, like, hopefully they're not hearing me say you can't work out anymore. I'm just saying, let's remove yeah. the big problems. Um, so how, uh, so I'm just gonna let you explain, you know, what are progressions, regressions in case people haven't heard those terms before and, and how might you work that into a program? Sure. So, so progressions are not surprisingly ways to make an exercise harder. Regressions are a way to make it easier. Um, now, that's kind of a simplified version, but you could go further by saying, rather than make an exercise simpler, 
let's say I, as a fitness pro, I want to give them an exercise that will accomplish a task that they need, but they'll be less likely to compensate their movement doing it. That that's ideal. Okay. Because you've worked with all different clients, different clients respond in different ways to, to exercise. Um, just, just not only the, you know, the results of doing the exercise, but also how they understand the concept of the exercise. So you have, to, I mean, you can only explain things as, as good as you can. Ultimately, either they understand or they don't. But if they don't, and it's not what you need them to be doing, then you have to find a different way. You gotta be like, I'm gonna use a movie reference because I'm a big movie guy, but you ever see Mr. Holland's Opus? I have not, oh, okay. <laughs> but you so can explain it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just, so the, the simplest where I'm going with it is he's a music teacher and he has several students that just aren't learning what he wants them to learn. And the school principal comes to him in the parking lot one day and notices how he's always ready to jet home after work because like he's had enough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and she instills in him this idea that, you know, you're the teacher, you have to find a different way to get through to these students. And later in the movie, he's fully embodied that. And he goes, I, I will use any means necessary if it means getting a student to understand this concept. I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but the yeah, idea yeah. is you're gonna find multiple ways to teach. And some people are visual. Some people have to hear you explain it. Some people can just read the name and, and they're good. Uh, so we're, we're sorry. We're <laughs> yeah. Well, could you, could you give, um, maybe give an example. So uh, of like a specific exercise that maybe clients not getting it. Let's, let's say it's a squat, whatever kind of squat you want to start with. And okay. they're just not getting it. Yeah. So what, what are some ways we could regress that? Okay. So, so one of the most common things you're going to see with people who don't squat well, are their knees are going to jut forward past their toes. Their knees are going to bend, yes. Their hips are going to bend, yes. But their knees are going to go into a place where your knee's not supposed to be. The knee is like the bastard stepchild. It's caught between the ankle and the hip. So when the ankle and the hip force it to do something, it's got no choice but to do what it's told to do. But unfortunately, that puts a lot of stress on the joint. So one of the first things I'll do if someone is doing that is I'll tell them, don't stick your knees forward. See if they can figure it out in one or two or three reps. If they don't, then I'll say, okay, pull up your toes. Pulling up your toes will shift the weight onto your heels a bit. Shifting the weight onto your heels makes you feel like you're going to fall backwards, which generally they'll then lean their trunk slightly more forward, but they'll also stick their hips or their butt backward to counterbalance the forward lean of the trunk. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> again, if there were a visual to go with this. Yeah. Yeah. No, but well, and I, I think you bring up a great point <laughs> of just, um, you know, helping the client again, be aware of what they're the task they're trying to accomplish. Because, uh, when you do a squat, you, you just know how it feels. You don't really know what your body's doing necessarily. I mean, you can look in the mirror, but you know, that only helps you so much. Um, yep. but having, but when you know a specific thing you might be doing wrong and you have a, 
uh, a drill that helps correct that thing. I mean, that's, uh, that's what's going to improve that movement. So um, I know I've talked about uh, on a, a previous episode of like internal versus external cues. And yes. I know that's, that's a thing, a, a thing that we can clearly see helps where, and not that it's right, wrong. It's just a lot of people tend to do really well with the external cues where they think about a specific um, task that they're trying to complete versus the way their body's moving. And I know the, the study that I used on the episode was like vertical or uh, a broad jump, I believe it was. And okay. like when they were told, hey, jump as far as you can, that was like their uh, baseline. And then they said, okay, we want you to explode, you know, extending your knees as hard as they could. And that was the internal, right? Just trying to think about the muscles creating force. And then the external cue is basically, hey, we want you to jump and get as close to this green cone. Um, That was, you know, further than they could actually, slightly further than they could jump. And the ones that were just trying to um, hit that cone or that were focusing on the external cue were the ones that did the best. And, and, And I think that's kind of the same thing that you're saying when you focus on some of those uh, easier concepts that people can grasp, all of a sudden they just do it better. And then uh, I always feel great because it makes me look like a genius when I'm training them. It's like, oh, you feel that now? You got it. And all it took me was this little thing I had to say. Um, so that always feels good on on our end, of course, yeah. but even better for them is they get it. So obviously- They get these, it and they internalize that. Yeah. And, and that that's when we see that. And then they progress, right? And then they they find the- the next level that they need to be going to. Um, so, and and obviously some of these are hard to do on your own and that's why, you know, working with others, even just a training partner. I mean, most people can tell when something just doesn't look right, um, to help you out, but obviously a, a a professional is, is going to get you there a lot quicker. Um, one thing I, you, you kind of brought up and I know I've talked a little bit about on the podcast that I wanted to get your, again, your opinion on, this idea of running. So let's, let's just say running's cleared. You know, we, we want to get them running. They, they need to be ready to race, uh, but they don't like it. And I know I've talked about on the podcast. I, I, I don't, I can't say I love running. It's, I like it. It's, it's okay. I, I think I tolerate it now where I went from, I couldn't stand it <laughs> to tolerating it. So that's a big jump for me. Um, but yeah. I understand the important, I know I need to be a runner if I want to be competitive in, in any of these races. So, but I have lots of clients that really don't like running, but they want to do a race because they like the obstacles or whatever it might be. Do you have any tricks or strategies or techniques when you have that person that maybe doesn't see themselves as a runner or just doesn't like running to kind of get them more excited about it? Do <laughs> <laughs> You know, that, that is something I, I have not figured out yet. I'll be completely honest. Yeah, no. I, either either I have someone who's a gung ho runner, or I have someone who they're not crazy about it, but at least they'll do it. Yeah, they'll, they'll do enough to make it so it's not such a struggle <laughs> in the race. Yeah, uh, but I haven't had someone who outright hates it yet. That all right? Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I've been lucky uh, with that. But <laughs> um, the, the hey, you know what? You just gave me a goal. How could I? How could I look? I, I need to ask to start researching that. I mean, it <laughs> probably has something to do with the psychology, you know, looking into asking them questions, figuring out well, what would motivate you? What, yeah. what would you like? You know, I mean, anyone who's had to run, who, who's not a runner knows how bad it sucks. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, you would, you might think that just having them do a little bit of running training you know, uh, one or two days a week, even 
might get their heart and lung capacity up so that, you know, it just doesn't suck so bad. Yeah. Yeah. When they do it in the race. I mean, yeah. we all know if you do an OCR, it's nice to, it's nice to be fast, but not everybody is. Everyone's different levels of fast. And even if you walk the race, you're still going to get your medal as long as you finish the actual race. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, and I, yeah, I think you brought up probably the, the best response, um, that most people don't like doing things they're not good at. And, you know, I fall <laughs> yeah. in that category because I was always a mediocre to not so good runner, um, yep. but I am pretty competitive. And when I started doing races and not doing as well as I wanted, um, you know, I first started working on the obstacles I failed, but then it gets to the point where it's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm not failing obstacles and I'm still getting smoked. Uh, there's only <laughs> one thing, <laughs> there's only one thing I can really work on and that's running. Um, I just need to be faster because if people are beating me and they're doing burpees, that's saying something. <laughs> so right. I know for me, and then it just became like, well, if you run a lot and you make it a habit and it's, I'm going to hit these miles every week. Um, and that's where I, you know, kind of joking, I tolerate it. And it's because it's, I can do it and it's not brutal anymore. Like I can remember the first 5k I ever ran and mm -hmm. I pretty much probably looked like I was having an asthma attack the entire time because oh. that's just how I ran <laughs> and getting beat by, you know, 13 year olds. And I'm in, you know, in my twenties, <laughs> it's like, I need to do something Ouch. about this. But, <laughs> uh, so that was my motivator was just that, Hey, if you want to be competitive, you need to take this seriously and, and get strongest at your weakest spot. And for me, it's running yeah. other people. It's, it's grip. Some people it's uh, weight loss, you know, like if you're, if you're overweight, everything is going to be harder, right? And it's people, you know, trying to find the best exercise to get through an obstacle. And it might be, well, you know, if you lost 20 pounds, then that might be the best thing you could do because you're actually strong enough to do this stuff. You're just a little bit extra weight is, is carrying you down right now. So exactly. I, I think just having that maybe, um, you know, heart to heart with yourself of what is truly my, my weakest spot right now. And, and where should I put, you know, not that I'm neglect anything else, but where should I put most of my effort in? And, and that's going to go a long way. Yeah. That's a good, great strategy. I and mean, it's a, it's a discussion that we unfortunately have to have at some point. And I think deep down they know it. So I don't want to like drive the point home, but I do want to mention it early on. And then we'll go back to technique and, you know, hopefully you're having a discussion with the client about nutrition and how much more important that is than fitness in the big picture of overall health. And in the, in the case of doing a race or having a specific goal, yeah, what a big help that is to weigh 10 pounds less. I mean, yeah. your grip is going to feel radically stronger. Yeah, so that's yeah, just, yeah. One example is great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You certainly yeah. notice it there if you weigh 10 pounds less. <laughs> one of my old roommates in grad school, you know, after we graduated, uh, you know, he was a baseball player, athlete, and, you know, after school and life takes over and he put on some weight and, you know, he'd complain about his knees and he's like, you know, what are some stuff I can do for my knees? And, you know, he lives across the country. So I try and help out, you know, as best I can. But, um, you know, and then I, I see him a, a while later, six months, a year, I, I forget how long it was. And I see him and I'm like, oh my God, you look awesome. He's like, yeah, I just, you know, got serious and lost a bunch of weight. And he's like, you want to know the crazy thing? My knees don't hurt anymore. And it's like, wow. yeah, 
You know, it's like, and not that that's going to solve every problem you have, but it's like the one thing that you, I hate to say easily, but it's, it's like the simple solution. And sometimes it's people just overlook that because it's too simple. Not that it's simple to lose weight, but it's, it should be the first step, right? Just get to where you, you yeah, should be. And <clears throat> if we're being yeah. honest, it kind of yeah. should. Yeah. So I mean, there's no reason you can't do that while you're, you know, during the same week that you're working on grip technique and oh yeah, yeah, all this stuff can go together. Yeah, yep. It's just focusing, making that the priority, and you know, all the other stuff should just kind of fall into place. Um, yeah. So I, I know we're we're running short on time here. Uh, a couple of last things I wanted to to ask you. So I, we've actually covered a lot of these, but if anything else uh, kind of stands out just what are, what's one, like, or maybe two, like just big common mistakes that you see people make when they're training, you know, let's say just training for their first race or, um, or something along those lines. One common mistake is not finding that balance between working hard and recovering. Mm. Uh, I, I, I can't speak to other sports, specifically I, I can only imagine but in the obstacle racing world i see i get new athletes all the time who are like first of all they wait till the last minute they sign up for you know a killington beast a month ahead of it and they haven't even done a sprint or a super and i'm like what the f are you thinking no but <laughs> at that point it's like too late and i'm gonna give you the highlights version good luck yeah <laughs> you yeah. know so one mistake is, that I see a lot is people not allowing enough time for the body to adapt to all these different training protocols and different exercises and whatnot. Yeah. It doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I saw in a, one of the Facebook groups, I can't remember which one, you know, somebody, they've never run more than 10 miles and they, they're doing an ultra beast in a month. Yeah, and it's like, uh, and they're like, you know, what what should I focus on? And it's, it's not like, dying. yeah, I, I don't know how we, you're probably not going to. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I don't know their background other than what they posted on there. But right, you are just at a huge disadvantage if you've never done anything yeah. of substantial distance, and then trying to take on the ultra beast. I, I mean, on one end, it's like that's dangerous. Like you could need medical attention if you're not careful with something yeah. like that. And on the other hand, you're just going to be really uncomfortable, not finish, and you spend all this money and, you know, you don't get your t-shirt, your medal and, and all that, that fun stuff that goes with it. So right. it's, you know, you understand what you're getting into because, yeah, like, just like you said, even if you're doing a sprint for the first time, um, just have something under your belt. Like you need some conditioning, some fitness to, to do a sprint um, and not just destroy your body in the process. Absolutely. Yeah. Because there's so many things that go into it. You need strength. You need endurance. You need cardiovascular capability. You, you don't necessarily need speed, but it's nice. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it certainly helps. Yeah. And all these things take time, you know, with, with yeah. proper training. And it still takes time. So, um, uh, so last, last couple of questions I want to run by you. Uh, what, what is your favorite obstacle you like to do? Honestly, 
I think the Tyrolean Traverse is my absolute favorite. Wow. I know you just told me you made it through a pretty beast of one. Yeah, I just did this race in South Jersey called Goliathon. It's twice a year, October and June. Uh, it's a semi-permanent course down there. It's on a 4-H campground, and it's run by a, some sort of Christian-based group, and they use the proceeds to bring water to a third-world country, and they pick a different awesome. country, I guess, each race. And I haven't done the race in two years, probably since the last time I was on your podcast. I actually reviewed the one that I did. Yeah, yeah. So this one, they definitely added a few new things, but to my delight, <laughs> they kept this Tyrolean Traverse, which is, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's it's basically a climbing rope, but it's sideways. Uh, it's suspended between uh, two very heavily reinforced posts, and it's over water. And you have to, you can actually, there is a way to stay on top of the rope and pull yourself across which uh, if you've read Margaret Schlatter's book uh, on obstacle course training, they call that the commando crawl. And the, if you go underneath the rope and wrap your legs over it and kind of pull hand over hand, I think that's called monkey crawl, if I, if I recall correctly. Anyway, Spartan has a long one. It's, I'm guessing, 40 to 50 feet long. This one's got to be 60, 70 feet. Hmm. And I really wasn't sure I was going to make it. I, <laughs> uh, I have a little hack that I do. Um, I'm used to wearing knee pads for barbed wire crawls in the Spartan race. Mm -hmm. So I wear knee pads. I flip them backwards for the Tyrolean and I slide them uh, down over my Achilles tendon so I don't cut the heck out of it. That's perfect. That, that rope is rough, dude. Yeah. I, that's one of my least favorite obstacles because it's just so uncomfortable. Right? Yeah. It just does not feel good on the back of the legs. No. That's, that's a smart hack there. And, and I'm paranoid of taking my legs off the rope because I think I'll yeah. just drop. I'll fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm literally splitting my body weight with hands and feet if mm -hmm. I keep everything on there. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I conquered that this time, and I got a video to prove it. So I was totally stoked. I didn't care if I failed anything else. I got that one. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> uh, so how about your least favorite obstacle? Oh, dude. <sighs> Until the Killington Beast, I would have said the Irish Table, which mm -hmm. is the one they put in front of the vertical cargo net. Yep. I, I have not been able to get up that thing yet. Okay. This, this entire 2019 race season. And I started racing in February out in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I hate that one. And I, uh, coach Megan, the OCR trainer. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I love to watch her videos cause she finds very creative ways to, uh, attack obstacles from different ways that, that I certainly didn't think about. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. She has some great, great videos. Yeah. Uh, but now I'm torn between that one and the tire flip because I've gotten the tire flip before like in february i did and i was told that it's 428 pounds for the men mm -hmm. you only need two flips but in killington i spent 11 minutes trying to flip it twice and i could only get one flip the entire uh, time so i ended uh, up doing burpees anyway and i was yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> give yourself a time limit like two minutes if you don't get two flips in that yeah just do your advice. Yep. 
I know sometimes ego gets in the way oh. and it's like, I'm going to get this thing. No matter yeah, I'm like, what. <laughs> I got one. Why can't I get, why wouldn't I get the yeah. other? It's going to happen, uh, right? Yeah. No, it's yeah. Oh, it's a tough one. <laughs> uh, well, Hey, I, it's been awesome talking with you. If, if our listeners want to learn more about you or have any follow-up questions, where would be a good place to reach out? Absolutely, Mike. Uh, so my website is bradsimscpt.com. Okay. B-R-A-D-S-I-M-S-C-P-T. Awesome. And, uh, all my information's on there so they can check it out. Perfect. I will, I'll put links to that in the show notes. And um, thanks again for chatting. It's uh, always great, as usual, to uh, catch up with you. Yeah, bud. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, that's going to do it, guys. Uh, really hope you guys enjoyed this one and got a few things out of this episode. And if you did, I'd love it if you would leave a, a review in iTunes or however you might be listening to this show. I greatly appreciate any, any feedback and comments there. And definitely subscribe to the show so you can get all the latest updates uh, when I release new episodes. Uh, if you want to check out any of the links mentioned in the show, make sure you head on over to the show notes at ocrunderground.com slash episode dash 65. Uh, everything that I talked about was coach brad um again learn more about our sponsors mobilitas and venga cbd uh and if you're interested in ever uh getting some more information about how i can help you with your training program you can check it out all over there um i'm gonna be up at uh running the ultra beast this weekend at tahone ranch if you're gonna be out there i'd love to see and chat more if i'm still upright by the end of the race um but it should be a good one uh that's it for now and we'll be back soon till then keep training smarter